listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon podcast. I'm the host, Thomas Irwin, the uh, band leader of one. Uh, I'm the guy behind uh, the Baroque indie pop project, Niagara Moon. Once again, I'm coming back with another album discussion, uh, joined by my buddy and uh, ambient rock producer, songwriter extraordinaire, Dan Barracuda. And we talked about his favorite album, Tool's Lateralis. And I'll be honest, I had never really heard Tool. I tried it, had had trouble getting into it, and uh, you know, later talked to Dan about the whole experience. And I, I definitely saw why he loves him so much. So it was a good learning experience. Um, I think this uh, will have something to offer either a more hardcore Tool fan or somebody who's just Tool curious. And uh, if you end up enjoying the episode, uh, subscribe and and listen to more episodes or uh, check me out, Niagara Moon, on on the interwebs or uh, Dan Barracuda, danbarracuda.com. Anyway, let's just kick into it, shall we? What album are we talking about today, Dan? We're talking about Lateralis by Tool. The best album ever. Oh, this is the best album ever, huh? The best album ever, dude. <laughs> you were saying it's your second favorite album of all time behind it, Sgt. Pepper's? It's number one with Sgt. Pepper's. Like, I see Sgt. Pepper's as like... Okay, it's tied. Yeah, it's tied. Sgt. Pepper's is like, you know, my 60s. Anything before like 2000, Sgt. Pepper's is my favorite album. Anything after 2000... Lateralis is 2001. Holy moly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. It's a long one. It's long, dude. It's like 79 minutes out of 80. Yeah. And uh, what makes it your favorite album? <sighs> so much, dude. Uh, <laughs> the songs, the tones, the different sounds they use, the lyrics, the performance out of each four members, the the transitions, the dynamics. It's like everything, dude. It's everything. Everything. I, I can't... I mean, I, I was born in 1990, and it was released in 01, but I didn't hear it. My brother showed me it, like, I think, like, in 03 or something. So, but ever since then, I've, it's been, like, a part of my DNA, you know? So I just, like... It's one of those albums, like, we've talked about, that you don't need to hear that. I don't need to hear that often. I kind of hear Lateralis, which is like my favorite song, um, like once a year, dude, like on my birthday sometimes, like usually. <laughs> Holy crap. It's like, yeah, it's like a sacred experience. I've seen Tool six or seven times live now, um, and it's just like such a powerful experience. It really is. When you know the songs that well and you know the members that well, I feel like a conductor or something. It's like, all right, all right here's your, t- okay, you're doing this. Okay. Oh, shit. They're changing <laughs> this a little bit. It's crazy. <laughs> Because their songs are long. They play like eight songs in a show, you know, ten. It's crazy. So you are a, a Tool veteran. You're a Tool expert. Yeah, definitely. Good. You're going to be uh, carrying most of this episode <laughs> today, I think. So how was your prep for this album? All right. I listened to it, got through the whole thing in a, in a few goes, um, had to break it up kind of like a movie. Yeah. And uh, I'd always been aware of Tool, like... I grew up with kids around me wearing Tool t-shirts, and I'm like, ooh, that design looks cool. This kind of intrigues me. You know, the, the Alex Gray psychedelic the aesthetic. Art, dude, yeah. You know, it's one of those bands that you can tell is, is really 
has a strong cult following mm-hmm. and is really intense and has their own kind of lore and their own kind of code, their own language going on. So true. Judging by the length of their albums and how infrequently they put them out, exactly. you can tell that they're an album band and that they put a ton of work into writing and recording their songs. I'm always about that. So all, that all intrigues me. And then I'd only, I'd hear like minute long snippets here and there uh, of Tool. You know, maybe I heard a little bit of schism Schism. back in the day or whatever. Sober. And I'm always like, wait, that's Tool? That this just sounds like another like 90s metal group to me. Like, (laughs) what? Uh, I don't care. Like nothing about it grabbed onto me. Just I, I don't listen to metal in general. Right. But I always in my mind, I never thought of them as such a metal band. And we talked about doing this episode today, and you're like, well, there are heavy moments. And then I went through the whole album, and I'm like, it's either build-up or heavy moments. Like, this is such a... Yeah, there's quite... There's no way around it. These guys are like a 90s metal band. Yeah, yeah. I, so it's I, just... It's so... so their, their look, their image, and just their audience to me, still in my mind, it's weird for me lining that up with the audience that they have. But... Maybe you can you can shed more light. Why are these guys so big and so coveted and so like uh, unique to you? Oh man, they their chemistry from the beginning. There's four of them, but in the very beginning, they were it was um, they had a different bassist, and he left uh, after Undertow. So then, so Anima like their best records in my opinion. Anima anything since Anima. Uh, which is 1996, yeah. is their, um, they have it with Justin Chancellor, the bassist. Dude, it, they're like Led Zeppelin, uh, like in the sense that each member of the band is just this pillar, you know, just super talented, super creative. Each one, like you look at John Bonham and Zeppelin, like, like there's un, it's yeah. undeniable the drummer is just, uh, Led Zeppelin is just amazing. It's undeniable that the singer is amazing. Like I'm talking like technique and creativity and lyrics, you know? It's undeniable that Jimmy Page is amazing, and it's undeniable that John Paul Jones is just incredible. And it's the same thing with Tool. The drummer is like the best drummer, contemporary drummer ever. Dude, he's like ridiculous. At the th- you know, he can play different time signatures on each of the four limbs. I did quite appreciate some of the the drum drum lines that happen. Like that, that's some octopus level. His drum craziness. set is crazy, and he 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 puts so much. It's everything is he's into the occult dude he's into sacred geometry and like a lot of his things have meanings a lot of his lines have meanings and he layers different time signatures over the other it's really incredible and the tones are amazing the bassist justin chancellor is his to- what do you think of the bass tones dude like in disposition like it's a, it's a nice quiet song throughout parable schism dude the, the, the bass tone it's so crisp and clear and but heavy and and low you know I did. Uh, it's very wiry. It's it's a very unique, specific sound that I've also heard in like other, you know, metal music that I've come across. But like the tone of some of those bass lines and some of those songs matched with the kind of riffs they're playing and how it's, you know, they're always playing around with time signatures, but they do it in a way that doesn't feel forced at all. It feels like what the groove of the song should be. So I could, I definitely could appreciate some of those. Um, those rhythmic elements. I, my experience with a lot of the songs was like, 
the first 30 seconds to a minute, I'm like, okay, it's a cool buildup. Yeah, that riff pairing with that, okay, getting into a cool rhythm. Mm-hmm. And then they go to Metal Town, and then I'm like, oh, we're back here again. Like, oh, this uh, is going over my head like again. like heavy I'm music the, is a thing. I don't. I'm, I'm kind of the wrong guy to talk about this, so I'll, I'll give the floor it's over It's interesting to, because to I don't consider them, like, that heavy. Like, when I think of other metal, it's hard for me to think of Tool as metal. I kind of mentioned this last time. Are you a metal guy in general? I was. You know, like, Metallica was the reason why I started playing guitar. And, you know, Megadeth, Iron Maiden, kind of classic heavy metal. And then, but there's heavy stuff out, like Opeth, the death metal. I love Opeth. I, I, I could tell they were not death metal level. Yeah. I mean, but some moments did make me think of like Metalocalypse with a different singer. <laughs> I don't know if you ever watched that show. <laughs> I know I haven't actually. I, I did get, uh, I mean, for me, it felt like Metallica meets Spangle. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if you know Spangle. Yeah, I know Spangle. I know Spangle. Just like a psychedelic festival vibe, but then, you know, like the you know that yeah. that whenever I start hearing that chugging, distorted guitar, I'm like, okay, we're in, we're in this space. Um, but so it's like they very much just seem like that kind of basic metal template, and then some very uh, deliberate, you know, experimental music musicianship and like a psychedelic bent. It's kind yeah. of the meeting of those. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing, Adam Jones is the guitar dude. Adam Jones is such a talented human being. He is the guitarist of Tool. He's kind of the captain of Tool, I'd say. He's also the artwork guy, besides Alex Gray. Like before Alex Gray and during oh. and working with Alex Gray, he Adam Jones is responsible for, for a lot of the art direction and tool and the music. Have you seen their music videos? Maybe once upon a time, a long time ago. But they're crazy, they're, right? They're not in it. Oh, yeah. They're like, it's like claymation and it, it's so surreal. It's, it's such real stuff. And he directs it all. Adam Jones is the guy. And his guitar tones are just out of this world. I love, I love his guitar work. He puts so much care and thought. He takes the longest to record his parts. He takes like at least a couple months, whereas a drummer takes like a couple weeks and the bassist like a couple weeks and it takes Maynard like a week and it takes Adam Jones months to record his guitar parts. Um, you know, super influenced by Robert Fripp and uh, David Gilmour. They're, they're huge like Led Zeppelin. They covered No Quarter actually. Oh, I could see that. Yeah, they love Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and King Crimson. I definitely heard some Pink Floyd influence, like in in any of the quieter moments, kind of the spaces in between songs. Like yeah. that's when I was listening to this album. That's kind of like where I lived because that was like the stuff I could like latch onto a bit better. Is kind of like those moody moments, like mm-hmm. you know, it's it, this whole album seemed like peaks and valleys. It does. It's super dynamic. So the drummer, the bassist, and the guitarist, and then there's a singer, and. Maynard, his he's such a his vocals are just the best. <laughs> They're my he's he's my favorite singer. I mean, my favorite singers are Robert Plant, Jeff Buckley, and Maynard James Keenan. Mm. Um, Maynard, dude, his he's just undeniable. Like his performance in the in the album, like his as a vocal performance. If you were right next to him when he was recording his vocals, you're just like. It's just like crazy because his voice can be really small and then it can be like it just sounds so honest, you know, it's very spiritual. And then he can just he can hit the highest notes, he can scream the highest screams, he can do 
crazy tones with his voice. He likes to use different vocal effects. I like I like the the variety and vocal tones throughout Tool albums. Yeah. The, he's they're so smart about that and harmonies and if you listen to isolated Tool vocals, he puts so much care. And you can't get that much. You can only get Schism and Parabola. But there's some hidden things you can find on YouTube where like he puts so much mm-hmm. thought into the layering of his vocals and the harmonies that you it's like hidden, dude. It's it's nuts. There's shit that I that I haven't heard before that I still hear, you know. I, I discover new things wow. over the years. Yeah, it's, it's like the Beatles, dude. It's like, holy shit, I had no idea. Like, listen, listen to what guitar's doing there. Holy shit, I think there's another guitar part. You know, it's like that. It's like the, yeah, there's a parts lot you of never hidden shit. Up on. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. He he was a little more I'm trying to put a, a term on like his style, but like uh Michael Stipe from REM kind of has a little bit it's 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 wailing a little bit like it's it's kind of like an in, indignant like fighting against something kind of kind of vibe. He's when he go when he screams. He definitely seems like a master of dynamics. Like, the, like he he can match any frequency. I did pick up on that yeah. as well. His voice just like fits so well with the music, and it's just like the chemistry of the before them. It's just weird. It's like when Adam Jones is doing his guitars and then the drums and the bass. I just, I, it's just because I'm so goddamn familiar with it. <laughs> I just think it's so perfect, you know. Yeah, um, yeah. But also the lyrics. He's my favorite lyricist of all time. I think Tool's lyrics are just. I think. I think the You asked me earlier, why are they so? Why do they have that kind of vibe to them? Why do they have such diehard fans? And I think the lyrics has a lot to do with it because it like it's like huh. healing, dude. And it's like if you're in like your darkest places in life, it's it's like there with you. Like the lyrics are there with you, dude. Like a reflection, lateralis, parabola. Parabola's about being like reborn, like reincarnation. Like it's like from the perspective of like looking at your body. It's so spiritual, you know. I, I would have to listen to it more, obviously, to really pick up on a lot i kind of under listened to this album the you know the first time around but what i did pick up on with the lyrics is like just huge immense revelations was like a a big yeah. theme like this is the nature of being like that seems to be a yeah a it's like being recurring yeah. motif for them um what uh what what kind of lines or lyrical moments particular songs kind of really stick out for you like what are your your go-to moments? So recently, I was helping Ian, uh, my best friend and my roommate. He was uh, I was helping him like bring stuff into the house the other day, and he had an old magazine. I think it was it was Revolver, and it was a whole thing on Tool. And I read the whole thing, and I I just got a lot more insight on where the band was during these albums, you know. And it's super interesting because they were you know ninety two was when Tool started, and then 94 was Undertow. That's sober. They got they got pretty big. They released, like, the Prison Sex music video. They got pretty big, got put in festivals. They're growing, and then they lost their bassist, got a new one, released Anima in 96. That has Stink Fist, 46 and 2. That's, Anima. like, their second biggest, right? Or it's, it's Yeah, that's top, my second favorite album. It's, I think it's incredible. Yeah, top two. And uh, they blew up with that that album and so that was 96 they didn't release an album until they didn't release lateral 2001 it's five years mm. you know and um they were going through like a four-year legal dispute with volcanic entertainment volcano or volcanic entertainment their label volcano and yeah volcano and um it, it was like really hard times and billy howardell maynard's 
old roommate, and I think he was Adam Jones's guitar tech, he hit up Maynard and started a perfect circle. And naturally, who is going to be pissed about that? The band. <laughs> you know, it's like they're getting huge. They're already huge. And then Maynard joins this other project because he's being impatient because like the other band members take forever. Plus yeah. the legal disputes. I can't just blame it on the band. So Maynard kind of pours this other side of creativity into a perfect circle, which is also an incredible record. Maynard and Gnome is their first album. Every song is like bam, 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 bam. Amazing. They didn't expect it to be huge. And it was a huge hit. And... And there was a lot of tension when they were making Lateralis. And specifically, mm. I can infer that it's between Adam Jones, kind of like the captain of Tool, the guitarist and the artwork guy, and Maynard. And it just gave me a whole new perspective on like where these songs came from. Like schism means divide. Also oh. the grudge, dude. Dude, if you dude, listen to the lyric. This is Maynard. This is what I perceive now after reading that magazine, Maynard talking to Adam Jones. It's interesting. It's so cool because, dude, the, the song heals. Like, and I'll show you, dude. He says, Wear the grudge like a crown of negativity. Calculate what we will or will not tolerate. Desperate to control all and everything. Unable to forgive your scarlet letterman. Clutch it like a cornerstone. Otherwise, it all comes down. Justify denials and grip them mm. to the lonesome end. Sounds like a legal battle. Terrified of being wrong. Yeah, that too. You know, it could also be about that, too. Yeah, ultimatum prison cell. And then he's talking about, like, Saturn, dude. Like, Saturn ascends. Choose one or ten. Hang on or be humbled again. Um, and then he kind of repeats that again. And, dude, that, that vocal moment when he goes, he's like, Saturn ascends, comes round again. Sorry. The one, the ten, ignorant to the damage done. It's like, dude. Thirteen-year-old you at the time freaked out. Oh my god! It's so powerful. It's so high too. Dude, he's singing. It's, oh man, yeah, it's a B flat to an A to a G. It's so powerful. Um, but then, so he's going to wear the grudge like a crown, desperate to control, unable to forgive, and sinking deeper, defining, confining, sinking deeper, controlling, defining, and we're sinking deeper. I love this. Saturn comes back around to show you everything, lets you choose what you will not see and then drags you down like a stone or lifts you up again spits you out like a child light and innocent and then dude so like i said like the songs usually heal throughout the composition like he kind of has a revelation throughout it and then saturn comes back around lifts you up like a child drags you down like a stone or to consume you till you choose to let this go and then it's like this beautiful like underwater moment and he says, give away the stone. Let the oceans take and transmutate this cold and faded anchor. Give away the stone and let the waters kiss and transmutate these mm. leaden grudges into gold. Let go. And then he has this huge, like, 22-second epic scream where he's like, ah! let go, let go, let go, let go. It's so, and it's the first song in the album. It's like 10 minutes long, and it's like the grudge. <laughs> it really does come in hot. I did notice that. <laughs> it, it's funny. you When you read lyrics 
outside of their context, like if you just read them from the page instead of singing them, usually that kind of takes a lot of the power out. But just like seeing this just kind of laid bare on a page, it really does read like poetry on its own. Like it's, it stands up it in that is, way. It is, yeah. You usually don't have that. Yeah. The patient and like schism, like the way... Okay, if you're going to write a song, someone's like, hey, I want you to write a song about, it's, it's going to be called Schism. It's going to be about a divide between you and someone. Where do you start? <laughs> the way he starts is ridiculous, dude. I know the pieces fit because I watch, and dude, it, it's like if you look at the perspective of him talking to the band. Mm. I know the pieces fit because I watch them fall away. Mildewed and smoldering, fundamental differing, pure intention juxtaposed will set two lovers' souls in motion disintegrating as it goes, testing our communication, dude. The light that fueled our fire then has burned a hole between us so we cannot seem to reach an end, crippling our communication. Dude, I'm getting chills, dude. It's like... <laughs> I know the pieces fit because I watched them tumble down. No fault, none to blame. It doesn't mean I don't desire to point the finger, blame the other, watch the temple topple over, right? To bring the pieces back together, rediscover communication. Rediscover. Now he's talking about... First it was testing, and then it's crippling, and now we're rediscovering. Mm. The poetry that comes from the squaring off between and the circling is worth it, finding beauty in the dissonance. And that they did, man. There was a time that the pieces fit, but I watched them fall away, mildewed and smoldering, strangled by our coveting. I've done the mm. math enough to know the dangers. I just love that he's saying I've done the math, and there's a whole lot of fucking math going on musically. Like, <laughs> it's in twelve. It's in five eight seven eight. That's the riff. That's the riff that they're playing in. It's like the time signature, and this like changes what five or six times through one of those. Yeah, those groups. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll give him big uh, props for. They are the kind of bands that can do those insane calculations with rhythm and and you don't notice as you're listening, you're still just taking it in as an organic piece. Whereas I think yeah. a lot of, you know, so called math rock groups, you're like, Okay, now you're trying this, sorry, now you're going over here, like it's so disparate. But these guys really do know how to just like commit and structure a whole thing. I can't imagine what it's like in the drawing board for them. Between the drummer and the bassist and, and, and the guitarist. Yeah, that, that would be daunting. I know the pieces fit. And then there's, and then, you know, like, well, you, do you know Schism? Or are you most familiar with Schism? That was the one where I was like, oh, I think I've heard this bass guitar riff before. Because then I know that's one of their biggest songs. Yeah, yeah, I had heard that. But beyond that, I really, I don't think I was too familiar with anything else. Because um, it slows down. The song slows down. And it's in, yeah, uh, yeah. it's just beautiful riff. And I, he just says such, such a beautiful thing with like his, he's got like a subtle harmony going on. He says, cold silence has a tendency to atrophy any sense of compassion between supposed lovers. I know the pieces fit. I know the pieces fit. But I can like dive deep into like any of these songs. They're just so beautifully uh, phrased, you know, the, the words. Like Parable, you must have liked Parable. It's a song after Schism because it's all quiet. You know, it's all soft. Yes, it goes into yes, parabola. that was. Uh, I noted that as a, a highlight. Yeah. Um, any any time they go atmospheric, or they're incorporating kind of experimental sounds, like getting away from distorted guitar. I was like, oh, that that yeah. way that kind of drilling sound comes in and out, like in disposition. 
Uh, yeah. And they had tablas. Um, yes. Yeah, par- parable, like the, the atmosphere. There was definitely something there. Like that was kind of more the tool I was expecting, I guess. Yeah. And dude, that that alone is that song is so so. Not, I mean, dude, there's a music video for para, for parable parabola. Yeah. Um, it's like the, you know they made a long music video of those songs combined. But it's like the perspective of the spirit coming into a new body. So familiar and overwhelmingly warm. This one, this form I hold now, embracing you. This reality here. This one, this form I hold now. So wide-eyed and hopeful wide-eyed and hopefully wild. We barely remember what came before this precious moment, choosing to be here right now. Hold on, stay inside. This body holding me, reminding me that I am not alone, and this body makes me feel eternal. All this pain is an illusion. <laughs> yeah, this this really reads like DMT-inspired poetry or something. Yeah, like dude. A... <laughs> wow. It's cool. Every Tool album has a fuck you song. Okay. Uh, Opiate is kind of like all of them, but I, I'd have to say it's Jerk Off. <laughs> that's, not, that's their first EP. And then um, Undertow, I'd probably say it's... Well, I'm blanking right now. Oh, I think it's probably like Crawl Away. And then it, it starts becoming more clear in the later albums. Uh, Anima, Hooker with a Penis. It's like a fuck you song. It's about pointing the finger. and uh, Laterals, it's Ticks and Leeches. It's like super... <laughs> That, that like, was the think, song I think, where I was like, I don't know if I can get through this. Like that one was really okay. starting to push me. I can me. see that. That's that, that's like the heaviest one by far, you know. Uh, very soft ears. Yeah. <laughs> but even then, dude, like I appreciate Maynard's vocal quality and just the uh, the I know like I'm more of like a heavy like guitar guy than you, but like I right, love right. what's going on with the drums. It's in 7. It just sounds like ticks and leeches. It's like like yeah, and something I'm, sucking the life out of you. Yep. And he's like suck and suck, sucking up all you can, sucking up all you can suck and suck. Yeah, working on my patience like a little tick, fat little parasite. I See, love Ticks and Leeches. That, I heard that one and I was like, this is them getting back at like these lawyers and, you know, sketchy, yeah. sketchy label and I think people. I think you're right, dude. Industry people. Yeah, dude. And then it it's like, oh, is this what you wanted? Is this what you had in mind? Because this is what you'll get it. You know, I hope, I hope, I hope you choke. And that's how it ends. And then it's like a cold finish. And then it's like the most spiritual that arouse, the track title, the title track. And this is my and that's favorite, your song, favorite of all song time, dude. Holy yeah. crap. So is that another one where just the lyrics make it transcend to the Dude, I've always said that I wanted the middle of this song in my tombstone. Like I want to like scribed onto my tombstone <laughs> dude hold on i gotta tell you about laterals okay because there's yeah. a lot of stuff going on with this song about a spiral and you, well first off what does lateralis mean like do you have a clear understanding of that uh idea? it's not re- they never really said it they think it's like like a lateralis with an is at the end is like a like a leg bone it's something to do with that. They also think that it's like all like these the certain elements L A T E R A L U and like sulfur hmm. that they 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 say that like if you put them together it makes the like quote unquote elixir of life. 
I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know. But I love the name. <laughs> and I love that I don't know, honestly. It's like lateralis. Like what the hell? It's like anima. Like the, he like makes up words, you know? Mm. Um so the main riff, when when it, you know it starts off boom 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 and then like the band crashes in, right? That's later that that's when Lateralus kicks off. That riff that they crash in, the bassist wrote it, Justin Chancellor. And dude, the time signature of that riff is nine eight 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 seven eight. It's a nine eight seven. So so yeah, it's literally it's in nine eight 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 seven seven eight until it repeats again. And that nine hundred and eighty seven is the sixteenth let is the sixteenth number in the Fibonacci sequence. The Fibonacci sequence is the sequence that creates is that is a spiral. It creates a spiral, okay? So there's that. And You're melting my brain already. Dude, so you know what the Fibonacci sequence is? I, I'm a little familiar with it. Yeah, it's like one, two I often see it where they're like framing like a seashell or something. It occurs in nature or whatever. Every number is the sum of the previous two numbers. So it's like zero plus one. So then it's so it's zero, one, one, and then one plus one is two. Two plus one is three. Three plus two is five. Okay. Five and plus three is eight. Yeah. And, and then okay. thirteen. Eight plus five, thirteen. So, yeah, yeah. So so there's a lot of spiral shit going on in this song. And dude, he his verses, dude, are in the Fibonacci sequence. Look at this. Black. Then white R, all I see three, and the next one should be five. In my infancy, and then red and yellow them came to be, going back down, reaching out to me, lets me see, and then he goes to thirteen, dude. As below, so above and beyond, I imagine. Drawn beyond the lines, yeah, it's nuts, dude. How do you even approach that if you were to write something like that? <laughs> See, when you're explaining it to me like this, I'm like, oh, my God. You know, I, I, I can't necessarily pick up on that if I'm just like, you know, first time listener. Yeah. Just trying to and take it ex- in Exactly. Exactly. I can't imagine what it's like hearing it for the first time, you know. It, 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 dude, they're one of those bands that like you got to hear it. Like I didn't love A Day in the Life the first time I heard it. It took me like a lot of residual listens and, and you know, it took, yeah. and then it's like my favorite song. You know, it's like these, these a lot of like crazy great music takes a while. Hmm. Black yeah, then, dude. It's like in my all, all I see in my infancy. Red and yellow then came to be reaching out to me. Let's me see. Push the envelope, watch it bend, and then the chorus. I dude, I, I like go by this phrase in living. It's overthinking, overanalyzing separates the body from the mind. Withering my intuition, missing opportunities, and I must feed my will to feel my moment. Drawing way outside the lines. There is so much more that. There is so much more and beckons me to look through to these infinite possibilities. Again, he says the chorus again. And dude, he's like, feed my will to feel this moment, urging me to cross the line, reaching out to embrace the random, reaching out to embrace whatever may come. And then these are my tombstone lyrics. I I embrace my desire. I embrace my desire to feel the rhythm, to feel connected. Enough to step aside and weep like a widow, to feel inspired, to fathom the power, to witness the beauty, to bathe in the fountain, to swing on the spiral, to swing on the spiral, to swing on the spiral of our divinity and still be a human. 
And it's just like, if you listen to that, like reading the lyrics, that moment, dude. So far, it's a mind bender. Still be a human. By like a sick, and there's like a sick guitar solo. He's super influenced by Robert Fripp. Like not a whole lot of mm. notes. You know, he'll do like one Yeah, note, like experiment with tones. And he's like a wah pedal. And he's like, he's a master with feedback and overtones. There's a lot of like flat yeah, seconds. Yeah. And then, dude, and then the whole rhythm changes. And the bass is like, he's using like a whammy pedal, dude. It's like, you're like floating in the air, dude. So he's like losing gravity. And then he goes, but he's like, with my feet upon the ground, I lose myself between the sounds and open wide to suck it in. I feel it move across my skin. I'm reaching up and reaching out. I'm reaching for the random or whatever will bewilder me, whatever will bewilder me. And following our will and wind, we may just go where no one's been. We'll ride the spiral to the end. We, and may just go where no one's been. Spiral <laughs> keep going. Spiral. I think I think I'm I'm enjoying these lyrics so much more when you recite them to me like a poem <laughs> than when I'm hearing them in it's context a poem, for whatever man. reason. Yeah, yeah. It really a lot of this seems to be like it's it's like the unconscious mind or like the third eye trying to talk to the self like it's very yeah dude yeah mythological or something going on you know on anima here. anima has like a 14 minute long song called third eye <laughs> oh well there you go um so that's my favorite song that's my favorite song uh if i were gonna see if i want to share one more thing of lyrics with you it's yeah. just it's ref, it's reflection so after laterals you got like a trio of songs it's disposition reflection triad uh, yeah. drt uh triad is an instrumental it's definitely my least listened to track on triad i heard and i was like i feel like i would hear this as like film score music in yeah. an action movie where they're in the desert they're like in egypt yeah maybe it's like mad max like people yeah. are in a race and they da, have these da, like da, da, it's like the apocalypse and they have these uh yep. you know souped up trucks and they're chasing each other like so many of these musical moments sounded like a band like in the middle of the desert and the Sphinx is in the background. I love that shit, dude. I love it's desert. So it rock. really, uh, it had that vibe so much and it really, so many uh, parts of the songs feel like they would work as, yeah, like score music to Breaking Bad or something. Like, dude, yeah. I love Breaking Bad's music too. I know, I know exactly what you mean. It, it, dude, you kind of nailed it. Like, Metallica meets Spungle, but with amazing vocals. I mean, I do love Metallica. Right, that, that, and that's but, uh, its own thing. Like, you're sharing the content of these lyrics now. That's like, you're bringing in um, yeah. Tibetan Book of the Dead. Yeah, you're bringing in yeah. some, some some whole other dimension to it. But uh, isn't, um, yeah, Reflection in particular. So it also, maybe because it was made in the early 2000s, but I was like, this could be like the Half-Life soundtrack this could be like an early 2000s like first person shooter computer game like oh shit's going down like gotta run to get to the escape pod like that's that's kind of where it put me reflection has like that spongle vibe it's got like the toms and just 
I, I, I like the drums in, in that song in particular. They, yep. uh, they got yeah. me. It's kind of rare for Tool to just go straight 4-4. Four, four. And and reflection oh. is all is all four four and so is parabola. Actually, no, parabola changes later, but reflection's all four four. And yeah. you, you just get lost. It's just groovy, you know. Do you know what the name of that sort of violin sounding instrument that comes in is? Like, just, I was I like, oh, know. we're in the desert, and then that like Middle Eastern sounding like fiddle came in. I'm like, all right, we're really in the desert now. Yeah. Like I was like, that's they on point. They take their sweet ass time, dude. They take their sweet, you know, like reflection, dude. Like it's like the drums are going in the bass for like three yeah. minutes, dude. <laughs> well, it must make for a very entrancing uh, concert performance. Oh, extremely. Right, dude. like. And dude, they were a little. They uh, when they made the album, they said they're like Jesus. Like, who's gonna listen to this? This is like some, you know. It's like they were a little self conscious when they released it, and it fucking flew to number one. And I just think that's inc- that's incredible. Yeah, for that's an always album, great for, like, the, when that the, happens. For the first track to like be ten minutes long and have it be the grudge, and like you got songs like Lateralis and Reflection, and ah man. So, dude, disposition itself is beautiful too. It's it's all quiet. The whole song is quiet. You know, it's like soft. Yeah. There's like and, a weird uh, drill I, kind of sound that I really was uh, into on disposition. The bass the, tone, the bass tone is so clear in disposition. It's beautiful. Um. So, dude, and then it, so then oh, the end of disposition. It's like it's like something like he's dropping something, and then he picks it up, and then it drops again, and then it's. Uh, he really takes his time with it, Danny Carey, the drummer, and then it goes right into Reflection. And dude, re- dude, I've had like the dark, in the the hardest times of my life. Reflection's always there, dude. Always That's the there. one, huh? Dude, look at this. I have come curiously close to the end, though, beneath my self-indulgent, pitiful hole. And he's singing. He's singing like major thirds here over like minor music. It's so nice. Defeated, I concede and move closer. I may find comfort here. I may find peace within the emptiness. How pitiful. It's calling me. It's calling me. It's calling me. And in my darkest moment, feeble and weeping. And dude, the way he's singing it is just so beautiful. I love the vocal effect that's going on. I just love his voice here. And in my darkest moment, feeble and weeping, the moon tells me a secret, a confidant. As full and bright as, this is what the moon is saying, as full and bright as I am, this light is not my own, and a million light reflections pass over me. The source is bright and endless. She resuscitates the hopeless. He's talking about the sun, right? Without her, we are lifeless satellites drifting. Mm. And as I pull my head out, I am without one doubt. Don't want to be down here soothing my narcissism. I must crucify the ego before it's far too late. I pray the light lifts me out before I pine away. Before I pine away. Before I pine away. So then it's like it's, it just gets more and more epic, the song. So crucify the ego before it's fall, far too late and leave behind this place so negative and blind and cynical. And you see how it, like, the, it's like revelation? Yeah. Like the song is healing. He's healing throughout the song. Like almost every song does that. And leave behind this place so negative and blind and cynical. And you will come to find that we are all one mind, capable of all that's imagined and all conceivable. So let the light touch you so that the words spill through and let the past break through, bringing out our hope and reason before we pine away. blowing my mind that he can sing words like this, these phrases. And as I'm listening to it, I'm not necessarily picking out every word, but... 
just the general sound and cadence of it, like it fits the meter so perfectly with like, you know, all the complicated instrumental stuff they're doing. I didn't give it a second thought, but it's like, if I look at these words, I'm like, how the heck does that fit into a song that you sing and sounds so natural and, and, do, and when it you reads go back so and clearly, it, and but it doesn't sound forced at all. Like, exactly. Blah, blah. I don't even know what state you got to be in dude, to write these lyrics, but it's they were it, 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 like a lot of tension, a lot of tension, and that's like another thing I learned when I read that magazine article. So much tension. Um, sorry, I know I said that the reflection was the last one, but here's here's the real last one, right? <laughs> the patient, dude, track three, mm. and uh, the segue into that song is called "Eon Blue Apocalypse." Eon was the name of Adam Jones's dog that died. Uh-huh. Um, so Eon Blue Apocalypse. So then it goes into the patient, dude. And again, the patient, if you read from the perspective of Maynard looking at his band after all the tension they had gone through with everything they were, they were you know, they were going through. Yeah. The words he chooses, the way he chooses to talk about patience in this crazy endeavor that they're in is just incredible. Look at this. A groan of tedium escapes me, startling the fearful. Is this a test? It has to be. Otherwise, I can't go on. Draining patience, drain vitality. This paranoid, paralyzed vampire acts a little old. But I'm still right here, giving blood, keeping faith. And I'm still right here. But I'm still right here, giving blood, keeping faith. And I'm still right here. And then it, like, it blows up. And, oh, yeah. and then it gets heavy, you know? And it's like so big and vast. Gonna wait it out. Wait it out. I'll be patient. And then he says, like, if there were no rewards to reap. He's like, if there were no rewards to reap. No loving embrace to see me through. This tedious path I've chosen here. I certainly would have walked away by now gonna wait it out right if there were no desire to heal this damn the damaged and broken met along this tedious mm. path i've chosen here i certainly would have walked away by now and i still may i still may be patient be patient i must keep reminding myself of this i must keep reminding myself of this and then he kind of repeats the words and the song just gets in this super epic uh, climax we call toolgasms <laughs> Now. Yeah, and I still may. I still may. Can, gonna wait it out. Gonna wait it out, dude. Whew, be patient. Like, there's all these, like, lessons and struggles and healing throughout the, the, the compositions, you know? Desert, spiritual, hard rock, art rock. I can see how this, this world of this band just goes deeper and deeper, like, however much <laughs> yeah. you choose to give it your attention. I'm, I'm starting to understand the cult mentality a little bit more. Yep. And, and, and do Anima is super deep too. He gets into Carl Jung stuff and talking about shadows. Uh, he talks about the third eye, you know, he samples Bill I Hicks. I feel like they, they could do like a Ted talk presentation through an album. Yeah. And it would be coherent. Yeah. There's a lot going on. 
Par- Parabola is amazing. I love her. Par- like all these songs are like just my favorite Tool songs, and they're all in Laterals. I mean, Laterals and Laterals and Lana- Anonima are my two favorites. Um, and then, dude, there was another five years. There, dude, Anima, five years later, Laterals, five years later, Ten Thousand Days, thirteen years later, Fear Inoculum. Now, what do you think about the new album? Because I hear people have been kind of pooping on that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> so, yeah, Ian, right, my best friend. And uh, my brother, I met Ian when Ten Thousand Days came out. We had I had a tool listening party, and I invited and I, and you know my brother invited Ian and some other people, and that's when I met Ian. We I met him on a tool listening party, and then thirteen years later, when on August thirtieth last year, twenty nineteen, I had a listening party with Mario and Ian. Mario's my brother, mm-hmm. and uh, it was just cool. It was like thirteen years later, man. We've been friends for thirteen years. We sat down. I ordered like the forty dollar like box set. It was beautiful. It had like had like a yeah, holographic yeah. video, and like the lyrics were all there. We sat down, lights off, listened to it, and we were so disappointed. Really, <laughs> it was horrible. No, okay, the, the experience was horrible. You got so prepared to so prepared, and then we went out for dinner after. And we're like, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> we we were, we were bummed so out. So what's we wrong bummed, with it? We were bummed out. I mean. They blew, dude. The way they went about it was just genius. You know, they were like they were like the only huge band, one of the very few huge bands that had yet to put out their music on Spotify. Ah, uh, like okay. like their music. I mean, all their yeah. music. They, you can only right. listen to their, them through their catalog. Like their, yep, and um, and then on like August, and in, in they they had they finally scheduled the release date for August thirtieth, and in early August they released Tool on Spotify and all streaming platforms and that made them like all the like the whole month was like tool month so like a t- they got like I was watching their monthly listeners growth like before they were at like 2 million and now yeah. they're at 2 million again they're at like 2.5 million but during that month they went up to like 10 million dude it was they like and the the whole all the press was about tool you know thir- first album 13 years um yeah. and uh just the way they handled everything was amazing i don't know dude it's just like it's it just seems very less a much less um like a collaborative effort. Maynard is feels like he's present in 20% of each song. Every song is like 13 minutes long and he's present in like 20% of it. Uh, so they don't really want to they don't want to jam with each other as much anymore. I don't know and I just it, it felt I, I wasn't crazy about Maynard's input. Adam Jones shines, but it just seems a little dominant. It's like here I'm the guitarist, I'm the leader of the band. You know, yeah. his riffs are amazing. The tones are amazing. The drums are incredible. The bass, that's the thing. It's still a tool record. It still sounds absolutely insane. Like, because the sound, they're, they're like recording experts, you know, and like the people they right. work with, the producer, Joe Barisi yeah. is an incredible producer. And I don't know. I just, some songs have stuck with me, like Invincible and Numa, but the other ones I really just, I'm not crazy about. So the, yeah. the dynamic within the group is kind of lost now. Yeah. People are. I, st- I still saw them live. Like two months after they released it, and uh, it was incredible. It was like my seventh time seeing them. But um, yeah, they're still my favorite band, and it'd be cool if they released more stuff. I'm just, I'm curious to hear. I got a little nervous when Maynard released uh, their third A Perfect Circle album. Uh, it was like a year mm. before or two, uh, two years before Fear Inoculum came out, and I, I just hearing Maynard's input in it, his vocals in it, I was like, I didn't like his lyrics at, like at mm. all, and his I don't know his vocals just. I don't know. It's lost its touch. Lack of vocal diversity. A lot of different, yeah. 
When you first heard this album, did that last track creep you out? The Fape de Oed? <laughs> yeah, of course. You... Dude, I hadn't heard like, that song. I, I, heard I that song found that very humorous to have, to close Good. the album. Like, Dude, that's the hilarious. perfect way to just freak somebody, like, say somebody's listening to it as, like, you know, not in their right mind on something, and they hear that last track about aliens and the government. And... I, I I did appreciate that. Area fifty one. Yeah, I I would I would go for they're more hilar- of that. They're hilarious. That was a highlight for yeah. sure. They're really funny. May- Maynard's Maynard's known for saying like two sentences every show, but what he what he does say sometimes. <laughs> if you look on like compilations on YouTube, they're so funny. He's he's a really funny guy. Yeah, dude, it's crazy. Such a cult following, and I mean, dude, they played Boston Calling a few years ago. Mm-hmm. It was like you know Boston Festival, and um, have you been to Boston Calling? I haven't. I've never been to a music festival. Oh, okay. <laughs> or uh, one of any, like, notable size. Yeah. Um, Tool, I was so shocked to see that Tool was headlining this. This is, like, four years ago. Yeah. And they, they headlined it, and they needed their own merch tent, dude. Because they, they had a tent <laughs> for, like, all the bands in the festival. And then there was uh, the Tool tent. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh. But yeah, they're spectacular live, dude. Like the lasers and the lights, and like, dude, like if you look at the cover of Laterals, like there's a lot of spiritual stuff going on. The artwork, Ten Thousand Days, and everything, and they expand upon it live. They have huge screens, right, it's like a and whole movie. Lasers shooting out. It's a, it's a whole, it's a crazy experience. They put a ton of attention into the live show, and the music just speaks for itself. It's so powerful, and you know, like as you know, like when you when you like know the lyrics, uh, it just like multiplies it wow. it's a whole thing <laughs> i'm well i'm kind of i'm feeling jealous now because i can see all the ways that you're able to like dive in and like appreciate this music for all it's worth and i'm still like i get i get it took, shut it took out. a lot of time it took a lot of time all right maybe maybe i'll come back to it yeah because it's like uh i i hear you know all the the, the thematic elements and all the talent and then even like uh, Parabola, my first impression was like, oh, is this like a Soundgarden song? Like th- this sounds like uh, like <laughs> dun, dun, there, there's dun, a pizza dun, dun. place near where I live. I guess they're they're closed now because of Corona, but they're always playing rock 91 point whatever. You know, they're playing the hard rock station and they'll, they'll play all those kind of bands in the late 80s, early 90s. And a song like Parabola to me, like my mind just puts it in like, the group of oh pizza place rock music <laughs> like I, I still yeah. can't get past that wall it's, so it's uh <laughs> continues to elude me yeah but the the lyrics on their own like that i can definitely i can get into that poetry that mm-hmm. i didn't even i wasn't even aware they they had that uh, that level to them. Oh yeah, huge part of Tool. Huge part of Tool is yeah. the lyrics and the artwork. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot. The tones and as a guitarist, I love his lead tones. I love the way he solos. He doesn't solo like you know. Doesn't do like really bluesy. He doesn't like solo like phrasing and stuff. He just right. sounds and he builds up. And... He builds up the emotion and the tension with guitar, but he doesn't. Yep. Uh, solo yeah 
Yeah, it does. It sounds sounds like a band that's more than four people. It sounds like an orchestra. It does. It is. It it does. Of rock maestros, yeah. Yeah. And I can't, I'm not a drummer, so, but I just know that my brother's a drummer and so is Ian. And, you know, he's their favorite drummer. And he's, and there's a reason why he's regarded as like arguably the greatest drummer in contemporary rock. Holy crap, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, suffice to say, I think I understand why you like this album so much now. <laughs> Great. Sorry I couldn't contribute more on my end, but uh, th- thanks for know. sharing all your, your feelings and thoughts on it and yeah, man. putting it all out there. Yeah, man. So I, th- I think that, that pleased the, uh, the other fellow Tools fans out there. Yeah. I don't know. That's the thing. Because it's so diehard, you know, I'm probably going to get a lot of shit for like, what the hell did you say about Fear Inoculum? What the hell did you say about... <laughs> you know, like, I'll, you know, a lot of Tool fans love Fear Inoculum. Um, whatever. <laughs> they can start their own podcast and, and spout their own opinions. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I, I could have said so much more... Uh, I could have said so many more kind of disparaging things, but I'm like, I'm not going to mess with this <laughs> fan base. Like, you guys can, can have it. Um, but yeah, just, they're a very impressive group of musicians. I can, I can say that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. They each hold their own way. They're like a pillar, dude. Like, like Led Zeppelin and uh, other great bands, Pink Floyd. And they, they know how to structure a full experience, multimedia themes, you know, big concepts and visual cues and the whole thing. Like they, you know, they're kind of like Pink Floyd that way. Like they know how to bring you a fully formed experience. So I can't argue with that either. It's like that that kind of cult following, that underground, rooted, it's so deeply rooted, their fan base. Dude, when Fear Inoculum came out, the song is like 13 minutes long, and it's like the it was the first over 10 minutes long song to be in the Billboard Top 100. It's incredible. <laughs> and it was number one for like weeks. It beat out like other, like Taylor Swift or whatever the hell else. Whoa. And, and dude, it has seven songs in the album. They're all over 10 minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> they don't mess around. They are doing their own thing. Yep. That's what I love about them. You know, just they just do whatever they, they just do whatever they want to do. All right. Well, thank you for for bringing the uh, the tool spirit and uh, your your tool wisdom here today. This is fun. All right. I think that's gonna do it for this week's episode. Please tune in next week. Uh, we're going to keep churning these out. we got a lot of uh, different albums to cover. And uh, I'll probably spice it up with uh, some other content as well as the summer winds down. I hope you guys are doing okay out there. I hope you're staying safe. And uh, I look forward to uh, talking again soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>